I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And we are the hosts of Pet Sitter Confessional. Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. We want to thank our sponsors, Pet Sitters Associates, and our Patreon members for supporting today's show. Patreon members, if you don't know what they are, they give us a few dollars every month to keep the show going. They have found value in the show over the almost now 400 episodes. They've learned something. They've felt or been brought into a community and been connected with others, something, and they've wanted to contribute back to the show what they've gotten out of it. If you want to learn more about not just financially supporting the show, but all of the other possibilities, you can go to petsitterconfessional.com slash support. Colin and I both come from science backgrounds, so a lot of times when we come up with an episode or a topic, it's because something in our science background has triggered it, <laughs> or something in our business as well has triggered it. And one of the things was in our master's programs, we took a course called Risk Management, and this was all about when we design and implement experiments, how to know that it's going well, how to know when to pump the brakes and when to keep going and really assessing that risk of an experiment before you really get into it. Well, and also included some uh, just public policy as well about risk assessment for major issues or concerns and how to communicate well with that. And that was a major aspect of my job as a biologist was talking about risk assessment to landowners and understanding pros and cons and what's coming and how to evaluate for them personally and understand if they were willing to allow that to happen and take that on. And so that really translate into business because as you know, running a business is risky. It just is. There are small risks you take, some you don't even notice, and other big ones that you may just align with your goals and that's what you want to do. Especially with working with live animals, there is inherent risk in that. Driving from place to place Lots of risk. Going into people's homes, you never know what's on the other side of the door. Is it an injured animal? Is it somebody standing there naked? You don't know. But there are things that you can do about some of these scenarios to help mitigate some of that risk. And so we want to talk about managing that risk for both your business and yourself. Because risk management is it's about the process of identifying and assessing and then ultimately trying to control the threats that come against you or the potential effects in events that could negatively impact you and your business. Yeah, these could stem from various sources. Obviously, there's things like financial uncertainty, legal liabilities, there's management errors or strategy errors that you've made in understanding your market or the, the client's needs. Also, just accidents. Accidents can occur for whatever reasons. And then natural disasters. And then in, now in the more modern era, uh, cyber threats of, of hacking and loss of client data. Like All of these are things that, whether you realize it or not, are possible threats to your business. And so we, we wanted to walk through basically the, the four steps of a risk assessment and what it means for your business and, and some of the ins and outs of that. The first one is risk identification, and this is seems pretty obvious. It's the pinpointing what types of risks could affect your business and the goals that you have for your business. It can be done through a lot of different methods, like historical data analysis. So that's something that we did a lot when we were scientists, but it's also prevalent in our business as well. If you go back and look at your reports, if you have a software that is able to do that, or if you do it in Google Sheets, or if you know if you have data that you can track over a history of time, whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, whatever benchmarks you have for your company, this can also be done through brainstorming sessions of going through the pros and cons of different risks and different objectives that you have for your business. Risk identification also comes about in going to other people, going to experts and saying, you know, this is what I do as a business. 
how much risk am I taking on? I, Colin, you interviewed Colin Giles Harris with Pet Sitters Associates talking all about this. Because of the nature of what we do and because of all of the unknowns and potentials out there, this is actually a pretty risky business. Or even just doing some simple financial forecasting of going, okay, if one of the risks is financially motivated, let me look ahead a couple months to see, is my business going to be where it is? Let me look at some more macroeconomic data. Ooh, isn't that just, ooh, that's just, it gets everyone excited. I know when, everyone, <laughs> when we say that to see what potential storms are brewing in my business. That's all this process is of just going, what problems not not just am I currently facing, but what problems or, or, or concerns should I have or should I be on the lookout for when I'm looking at all this? When you think of risks that happen to a dog walker or pet sitter, the number one thing you probably think of is dog bites or injury to the dog walker or cat bites as well. Cat scratches, those are pretty vicious sometimes. <laughs> Dogs getting lost is another big one or running away or cats slipping out of a harness when you go try to walk them. And there's also damage caused by a dog trying to eat through drywall if there's fireworks or a storm nearby. And then there's the damage to the dog itself. If you put it in a kennel and it's, it doesn't like that and it tries to chew its way out, it may injure itself trying to do that. There's tons of <laughs> tons more risks. You know, disease transmission between dog to dog, even within the same family, or if you come into contact with dogs from different families or just out in the wild, there's all these kind of different diseases. There's also risk from litigation from clients if they go to sue you for something that you did wrong, either unintentionally or intentionally. There's weather concerns as well, natural disasters, hurricanes that come in, ice storms. Fires, if you live in that part of the world. It could also mean just, again, thinking big picture here of uh, there could be an uptick in new businesses in your area. I know we're kind of – this happens kind of seasonally or cyclically every summer, kind of every time that there's a break from college or school. We see a little bit of uptick in businesses and going, okay, how much of a threat is that? Okay, or, or is that? a threat to me, or maybe there's changing client needs, expectations of what people want from a dog walker, what they want from a pet sitter and those services that they're looking for. And then even bigger picture of recessions, economic downturns. I don't know if you've heard of this. Inflation could be a risk to your business if you're not accounting for it in your prices. So all of these things are just risk identification. So it's thinking about what are the risks to my business. This is not supposed to be a a doom and gloom kind of episode or topic. I mean, it is a little bit. (laughs) So it's not doom and gloom, but it is important to know what risks are out there for the betterment of your business. The more knowledge that you have, the better choices you'll be able to make. Which is the second part, because now that we have identified these risks, they need to be evaluated. They need to be tested, really, in terms of their potential severity and the likelihood that they're actually going to occur. Is the cat aggressive? Is it known to be aggressive? Well, then, yeah, you probably are going to get scratched or bitten at some point. It allows you to prioritize the risks and focus on the ones that have the most significant impact on your business. Basically, here we're thinking about, okay, now that we know the risk of a dog getting lost or running away, okay, that could happen in a business. It might be quite high if your business involves walking multiple dogs off leash in an open area. On the other hand, the risk of disease transmission from one dog to another may be relatively low if you're only going from one house to another house to another house. But that's something for you to decide, especially given on the kind of diseases or if you require up-to-date vaccinations. 
maybe let's go back to that idea of the, the new businesses that have started in your area. Well, the risk depends on the market demand. It depends on the kind of clientele that they're going to serve. And it also depends on your desire or need for growth and expansion for your business. Once you know the risks, though, ask yourself, what are the impacts to my business? Just because we know things may happen or that they are likely or unlikely, what could it possibly do to my business? And this is where it can get a little doomsday-ish, but that's okay because we're not going to stay here. We're not going to stay here in the muck and the mire and go, oh gosh, all these terrible things could happen. Just foreshadowing that we're going to try and come up with ways of overcoming these, but Think of the the financial cost of a dog injury. It might be high if it results in veterinary bills and potential legal fees from a lawsuit. The reputational damage could also be significant if an unhappy client starts spreading negative word of mouth or posting reviews online. On the other hand, the impact of a dog causing minor damage to a public park, like digging a hole or getting in the sand, might be relatively low to you. After you've gone through this process, you have to now prioritize the risks based on their assessed likelihood and impact. So high likelihood, high impact need to be addressed first. Low impact, low likelihood, we're going to save those for later. This actually reminds me a lot about when we talk about to-do lists or <laughs> you know goals that we have for our business. Of Basically, the first one was risk identification. So you are basically brain dumping all of the potential risks. So when yep. you make a to-do list, you're brain dumping everything that you need to get done. And then the next step is putting them into buckets. And we've talked about that before. And this is basically what that is, too, of going, okay – which one is more likely to happen, which one is less likely to happen, and then what do I do about them? Because we can't focus on everything all the time at the same time. We really need to focus our efforts, just like the to-do list. You cannot do everything from the highest priority to the lowest priority all in the same day. It's not going to get done unless there's only three things on the list. (laughs) And I will say that one of the benefits of doing it this way is when you tackle the high-impact, high-likelihood things or risks to your business, more than likely, that is going to just automatically capture the lower risk or the low likely, the low impact ones to your business. Because the high likely ones means that those are major impact and that it could severely impact your business. So by covering those through some mitigation practices, which we're going to get into, very likely you're going to cover the low impact or the low low likelihood ones as well. So it helps you kind of snowball this process of getting multiple ones taken care of at once. Something that will definitely help lower your risk is Pet Sitters Associates. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. And that's why Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they have provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. Because you work in the pet care industry, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote at PetsitLLC.com. You can get a discount by joining when you click membership pet sitter confessional and using the discount code confessional when you go to checkout. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at petsitllc.com. We have identified our risks, we have assessed them, put them into buckets, and now we're going to basically control them. The best we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this really involves determining the, the most appropriate method for dealing with each identified risk. This could include avoiding the risk, reducing the negative effect or probability of the risk, or even sharing the risk with another party. You could also accept some or all of the potential consequences of that risk. Getting insurance, like I just talked about, is a perfect example of sharing risk. The liability is not all on you. You don't have to shell out $100,000 when the dog 
has a terrible accident. You know, that is the part of the insurance company where they step in and they go, okay, this is risk that we are willing to take on for now, (laughs) as long as you are a client of ours. And that's you after you have gone, okay, there is a risk of me needing to pay $100,000 for an injury to a third party. I don't want to have to pay all that because I can't afford that. How do I control, how do I mitigate the risk of me paying $100,000? I need to go get insurance. I need to get that policy coverage on what I'm, what I'm, for what I'm trying to do. Or maybe it's you're trying to do off-leash dogs and you go, okay, well, actually, there's a lot of risk right there because I'm taking six off-leash dogs in this area. Each one of them may have a massive veterinary bill if, let's say, the worst-case scenario happens. What do I need to do to make sure that that doesn't happen? The first one needs to be sharing that risk with a third party, which is getting insurance, which is why that's so critical so that you are not held liable for all of that, those vet, vet bills. Controlling the risk also means continuing education and training. So say you're going to take on some birds and you've never cared for birds before. You don't know anything about them. Well, learn more about them. Take some courses, take some trainings, know the specific species and the quirks of it, if there are any, and that will help to reduce some of this risk. Let's say someone reaches out and they've got six trained guard dogs. Well, this actually happened to us. There is a a trainer in the area and he has six German shepherds that he has trained to guard his home and him. So we said, no, that's not something we are willing to take on. There is too much risk there for our company. We are not comfortable with that. Hey, again, we're always looking for ways to avoid and reduce the risk. So if a client reaches out to you with something and you're not comfortable for them, ask them to modify this. I think one of the biggest ones for us is we get asked all the time to let cats outside. Please let my cat outside. Let them out whenever you're there and then let them back in the, the next visit or whatever. This is something we are not willing to do. This is way too risky. There's way too much that could be involved with this that we don't even want to get to. So at that time, we inform the client of our policy, and we ask them, is it okay if your cat doesn't go out while we're caring for them? Because that goes against our company policy for XYZ reasons. And then they get to decide if that's something that they want to move forward with or not. But we need to control that risk for us. I want to circle back to something you just said. You said we always want to avoid the risk. I don't think that's necessarily the case because if it's a less risky situation, we may want to take that on and say, okay, we can handle this or we can try this out and see how we feel about it. So there are extreme cases of the six guard dogs and the, the cats outside that we don't allow. Like, yes, those are policies that we stick to and we say, no, these are circumstances that we do not take on risk. But there are circumstances where we say this is not as concerning as it could be so we're able to take this on. Oh, well, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because as we started off with the episode saying running a business is risky, running a dog walking and pet sitting business is particularly risky. We have all, now you are running a business, you have inherently looked at the risks and gone, I accept those. I accept the risk that a dog may get out. If you didn't accept that, you would not be running a dog walking and pet sitting business. I accept that my car's engine may die one day and I can't get to the 12 visits that I have. Yeah. These are things that are just built into this, but you have looked at them. But what, I'm, what we're talking about here is making sure that we are going into this with eyes wide open and an understanding from a business perspective, from a how would this impact my business perspective, and then putting in controlling methods. Because you may sit down and walk through all of this, and I really encourage you to, when you're doing this risk assessment, keep certain clients in top of mind. Keep certain scenarios top of mind 
for you while you are doing this. This is why joining a Facebook group is incredibly important. And you will see people ask questions and you will go, I never even thought of that. What? Okay, well, how, how would I solve that? Or what would I do? Or I didn't even know that was a potential thing of happening. But just sitting down and going, what are the baselines here? And then how do I move forward with that? Because then there are things like that. this example, I want to keep bringing this up because this is a topic of discussion of it's not just with the animals. It's not just with the clients. We're running a business. So when we're looking at risk control and going, okay, new businesses are opening up, new people are coming into this industry. That's wonderful where we need to be having a healthy influx of people so this industry can last for years and years. But there may be potential impacts to my business. So what do I do about that? How do I control that? I can't stop them from opening their business. I I can't. I cannot do that. But I could focus on honing my marketing, my messaging. Maybe I need to do a rebrand. Maybe I need to look at the suite of services that I offer and make sure that they are the best that they can be or that they are serving my clients the best that they can so that I can continue my business because that is one way to, to reduce those risks to you. Because when we talk about risk control, it's you cannot, again, you cannot control outside factors from you. You can only control you and your business and what risks you take on. So in the example of new businesses opening up, you could look at them and say, okay, what services do they offer versus what do I offer? And this is going to help in your risk assessment for this particular example, because how risky is it that, okay, you're a pet sitter dog walker, but a boarding place is opening up five streets over, well, you guys don't have, you don't offer the same services and maybe you're not even going after the same clients. Maybe you're at a higher price point than they are. So ultimately, it's not going to affect you as much because you're not going after the same type of client. The last step in the risk assessment is the, the monitoring and the reporting. So risks are dynamic in that they can change rapidly. They can become less risky or more. So it's crucial to keep an eye on the risks themselves and reassess them regularly. This could include tracking new developments. So say that client that used to have an inside-outside cat, maybe they just now only allow it inside. So you are able to now take that client on. Or conversely, maybe that boarding and daycare place that opened up, well, now they have hired some dog walkers in the area. So it might be a little bit more risky because they're now offering the same services that you are. And then also reviewing the effectiveness of your strategies that you've put into place and making adjustments as necessary. I recommend that you keep a spreadsheet or keep a notebook to write these things down. As you're doing the brain dump of putting down all of the risks that you have, then in that next column, you could write, what is the impact of this? Is this a high, medium, or low impact to my business? Then in the next one, you're going to go, what are the three ways that I could reduce this or I could control this or I could manage this in a better way? And then you can see what happens over time. It helps. It helps when you track things like accidents or issues or even client reviews, right? So this is one way. Okay, clients are talking about this thing that keeps coming up. What on earth is going on? I need to look at that and understand what is what is happening to my business. Or, man, I keep getting staff who have got dog bites. Okay, well, my first question would be, is my training adequate? My next question is, am I taking on the wrong kind of clients? And really taking a hard look at that and going, am I saying yes to things that I shouldn't be saying yes to? Because that's the that's really the number one way to control risk is to not take it on at all if it has a high impact and it has a high likelihood of happening to your business. Dog bites, 
very likely in the wrong scenarios with the wrong kind of training, with the wrong preparation. So all of those have to be controlled for and mitigated to the best that you can. It's very likely that everyone listening, including us, has gone through this process before, maybe just not a formalized writing it down, putting it into different buckets kind of example. But here is a situation that may come up. So say you hypothetically run a dog walking business. Hypothetically. Yeah. (laughs) And you are very aware that losing a dog is a major risk. And it's one that's probably going to damage your reputation given how busy you are and the number of walks that you are doing at any given time, this is a pretty likely and risky scenario. So what do you do about it? You invest in high quality gear, things that are going to hold up and last over time that are not going to break or rip. You take training, you take defensive dog handling training, you have good insurance that's going to cover you in case the dog runs off. And then you do a behavior assessment for each new inquiry that comes along and says, okay, this dog is a good family dog, never had a history of of running off, has a fenced-in yard. This is a pretty safe bet that this dog is not getting away. And while you don't have a spreadsheet to track these kind of things, you know in your head, you know, okay, well, I haven't, haven't lost a dog since I've started doing these things. So you feel like the steps that you're taking are, are doing pretty good. But how do you know when to stop? Or how do you know when enough is enough? The the important part here is that you need to keep getting education, keep talking to people, keep going to conferences, keep reading, keep looking at new ways of running a business. Because the more that you learn and the more that you work with others, the more you'll understand the risks that are out there and the concerns that you should have. And I, I want to point something out here, it's, is that the absence of an issue does not mean that there's an issue you need to be concerned about. What do I mean? What do I mean by this? Uh, there's an, a Simpsons episode, and I'll have a link in the show notes. But uh, it, it's like the anti-tiger rock. It's it's a small segment of this. But Homer asks Lisa, "How does this rock work?" And Lisa responds, "You don't see any tigers around, do you?" And Homer declares, "Lisa, I want to buy your rock." Hey, just because there's an absence of tigers doesn't mean that the rock is the reason for the absence of tigers. Okay, so this is not a, an effective risk management. Again, I have to keep saying this. The absence of danger, the absence of issues does not mean that your current methods are working. It just means they haven't come up yet. And so never being lulled into a false sense of security of going, okay, well, I've never had, I've never been bitten by a dog, so I must be doing everything perfectly. Or the harness is a little bit loose today and has been for a while, but the dog hasn't gotten out yet, so I think it's okay. <laughs> yes, that, that this is where continuing to learn and monitor comes in. That last step of the risk assessment and reporting, th- that one is usually overlooked and not done by people of, okay, well, I'm just going to implement a bunch of stuff and then I'm going to walk away. But it's the monitoring that's really going to be critical and very powerful to you and your business to be always asking questions and evaluating what are your processes? Are they still up to date? Okay, maybe 10 years ago, I never wanted to lose a dog. So I implemented XYZ kind of harness. Well, if I don't stay up to date with the kind of harnesses that are out there, there may be a new one that's 10 times as better at eliminating an escape artist than the one that I used and have been using for the last 10 years. We should always be moving and improving in that direction. So then how do you know if you are managing your risk well? 
there are some things that you do need to consider. The first one is reduced incidence. So one of the most obvious signs is the reduction in the number and severity of the incidents related to the risk that you're taking on. So if your staff were getting a lot of dog bites and you implemented the training and the education and the oversight and the, the correct clients, you're not taking on the ones that were biting anymore, then you should see a reduction in the number of dog bites. You know that you're managing your risk well when there is stability, when your operations are running smoothly with fewer disruptions because of the risk-related issues. Then there's resilience. When you have effective risk management, it should increase your business's resilience to thrive and keep going because you are allowing it to recover quickly when these unexpected events happen. Okay, it's a dog bite. Well, we now have this protocol in place to mitigate this in the future because we've gone through this in the past. Or maybe it's new businesses moving into your area. So you have an effective marketing strategy that you know will can or help increase new inquiries to you. Or maybe it's yeah training policies or maybe it's offering new services that you know that you can look to to help reduce and help even out as things happen. You'll also know when things are going well, when you're managing your risk well, because there will be positive feedback, whether this is from employees or clients that say, hey, this is, we've noticed this change recently. It, this could be related to things like, here's a great one. Um, my front door wasn't locked. Why would my client reaches out to you and that and you get one client asking you that and a third client asking you and a fifth client saying, my front door wasn't lost. This is you going, oh, this is a big risk. This isn't good. This is security to them. This is a potential escape artist from their house. What are we doing? Okay, I'm going to dive into my training protocols. I'm going to dive into my checklist. I'm going to reach out to all of my staff members. I'm going to train them. I'm going to give them these new things. And then I'm going to look for this kind of feedback that I get from my clients. And then look, oh, great. Over the next six months, I don't see anything else. So what I did worked and now I'm on a great trajectory with us. The last thing to consider and look for is when you've achieved your business goals. <laughs> if you find that you're consistently meeting them or exceeding your business goals, this could be an indication that your risk management strategies are effective and then you go and celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> because risky businesses don't do well. When you are taking on heaps of risk and not mitigating them, not controlling, not trying to reduce them. When you're taking on every single person in the city, taking on every dog, no matter what it is. Yeah, with no policies, no procedures in place. That, that's another thing. Policies and procedures are a mitigation strategy to risk because you are controlling. You are saying, this is how we handle it. This is what we do. If you don't have those and you're just embracing everything, doing no behavior assessments, if uh, businesses that run like that don't last because businesses, because risk will drag you down and destroy your business. Through Google reviews and Facebook reviews. <laughs> Pretty much. And then people stop trusting you and they turn away from you because that wasn't managed well. When you are achieving, when you are growing, when you are doing that, you can look to what you are doing and going, this is helping me get there. Now, no false sense of security. You never want to be lulled into that. So just because I'm growing, just because you're growing, just because you're meeting your financial goals, doesn't mean you're managing risk well. It is one sign of that. And that's why we have to look at all of these things together in a cohesive fashion to fully understand what's going on. Because only you get to decide how much risk you take on as a business. Personally, what are you comfortable with? Once you have employees, that is a huge risk. <laughs> you are trusting them. 
You are trusting your policies and protocols to have done a great job and you're training and shadowing and oversight to then send the baby birds to go fly on their own. But because you are the business owner, you have the ultimate say of, no, I do not want to take on this client. This is not a good fit. I don't want to take on a species, a breed, a a client. A service type offering. Maybe you see people offering adventure hikes and you just go, no, uh, the risk of injury to me is not something I want to take on. The risk of loss to the pet is too much that I want to take on. I'm not going to offer that service. And that's okay because when we start operating out of our comfort zone and we operating too risky because we think it's what we should do, that's when dangers happen. That's whenever we're going to mess up. That's when when we aren't going to be confident things do go poorly. So while we should be looking to stretch ourselves and expand our abilities through training, through learning, through whatever, if at the end of the day, you're not comfortable with doing it, don't do it. Don't You don't have to. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, running a business involves inherent risk. We just have to understand it and then ultimately manage it well. Thank you for listening to this. We'd love to know how you manage risk and assess it in your business. You can email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. Thank you also to Pet Sitters Associates, and we will talk with you next time. Bye. (laughs) 